welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Ben and Marcel are back for another instalment of abuse. As we look back over the racing from the weekend, the men raced double slalom in Chamonix, while the women eventually raced a double Super G in Garmisch after some tricky weather conditions in both places. Thankfully, we did manage to get uh, the four races done. But I don't know about you guys, but I had a rather terrible weekend of picks. Same. <laughs> I had a uh, high hopes after a good few weeks, and I've almost reverted back to my original state of luckily getting one person on the podium and everyone else being rubbish. I mean, I had such a good first day, and not afterwards such a shocker. I am actually a bit gutted. I think the pounder hold mark is getting far away from me now. Thank God I have one already. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually. I told shocked. you, you should. You, it was a good idea to go out and buy it. I know it's it was it was a really good shot. Yeah, so the league table, the Powderhound league table has been is looking a little bit dire for us um, experts, shall we call us? I keep telling blaggers. you not to call me an expert. Blaggers, <laughs> chief blaggers. I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's probably a, a few more choice words that we can't use on the podcast that people would would call us, but let's go with blaggers. Yeah. So um, Jamie Aldridge has now taken the lead over Dave. Uh, so Dave Riding has now dropped down to second place, uh, and Jamie Aldridge is newly in the lead, looking forward to potentially getting his hand on some Powderhound product, but not only Powderhound product, but also the ski racing podcast crystal tumbler if you haven't seen you guys, what did you guys think you, i know you guys liked it i know you guys liked it you definitely it got yourself another one didn't you just, I did, just yeah, so you... But only because i um didn't pay too much attention when i was getting it engraved uh that i didn't realize that it would still say baileys all over it so it was the baileys powderhound podcast overall league table whatever the rest of it was but yeah so uh, a little bit frustrating so I've got my own one but I've also got the one yeah and and I put it all on social media and a lot of people are now taking their picks a little bit more seriously as they want their hands on the biggest trophy in ski racing I think, is, I think that, that's not my words uh, that's the words of uh, of my mate Dave <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's a few bits to cover on this uh, firstly Steelers we can't win <laughs> How about we play for the Baileys Crystal Globe, uh, oh, Crystal okay. Tumbler, okay. Uh, seeing as we can't win the actual Powderhound goodies that everyone else is playing for. Um, so Marcel has a commanding lead of about 10 points currently. Uh, yeah, over, over you and about six over me. So yeah, <laughs> it's, we've compressed slightly because Marcel was doing quite well in the league and has been faltering. Um, and I think his, his girlfriend has been getting a little bit in his head and she started uh, picking up some big points already so all is not well in the uh, Marcel Mathis household right now a bit of extra needling <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna overtake us and Dave and everyone else in the league at this rate um, <laughs> but the, the second point about the largest or the best trophy in uh, ski racing is this to go along with the website quote of the best <laughs> podcast uh, in ski racing as voted for by its host <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know what you mean uh, I don't know what you mean it's but it's widely regarded and then there's a load of small print that goes along with each of each of my giant statements <laughs> come on Ben oh, you're, you're supposed to be on my team <laughs> always always on your team <laughs> um anyway so let, let's get away from how terribly we did in the uh 
powder hound predictions league but if you do actually want to get some hands on on your on some powder hound gear they've got a load of new stuff on their website and you can still use the discount code of uh ski pod 10 for a discount um and then uh, and then you can get a little bit of money off when you pick up some of your own gear because there's some guys with a commanding league so you either need to step up your uh, efforts in the predictions league table or just put your hand in your pocket and use the code but maybe next year we should call it ski pound uh, ski pod one as like the the code because it's number one podcast not number 10 oh that's true that's very true <laughs> Or we just make it the best, the best ski race, the, the best podcast on ski racing discount code. I'm staying well out of this part okay. of the discussion. Maybe that's, maybe that's fair. <laughs> anyway, let, en enough of this crap. Let's talk about the people that actually did quite well this weekend. Um, so let's, let's kick off with Chamonix. The, the weather gods didn't really play ball for us, did they? I mean, thankfully we got some racing underway, but it was wet and it was slushy slash salty slash all of the above. A Clement Noel managed to put two runs together and picked up his first win of the uh, World Cup season. Zen Huizen has picked up a podium and Marco Schwartz continued that impressive run with a third. But the big story was Luca Ernie moving up from 29th to fourth on that second run, playing a... Um, uh, not I was, I was about to say playing a hand but that's total rubbish he wasn't playing his hand he just was um he didn't do quite such a good first run snuck in there and took full advantage of going down early in that second run yeah that those type of conditions will really annoy the racers yes everyone's got a ski in it but that race really felt like if you weren't in the first five of each run if you were anywhere outside of those first five skiers on either run who didn't really have much of a chance and it was just the case of those guys on the podium had by the time they came down I think two and a bit seconds lead I think Schwartz or Noel had on uh, had on Zenhuizen uh, no on uh, who is it who is 30th 29th oh look at Ernie yeah, Ernie. Yeah, let's get my Swiss Swiss mixed up. So he had about best part of two seconds lead on Luca Ernie, which realistically they're not going to throw away. But anyone outside of that first five on each run didn't really stand a chance. I actually, I actually felt really sorry for um, Jean Baptiste Grosch because he was literally skiing um, next or behind or in front of Ernie. And he was actually doing really well, except for one big mistake in the middle. And he still managed to pick up like a top 15 result. So I was actually gutted. I would have loved to see him in on home soil, like picking up a really good result. Um, and also I felt like Zenhauser and like he was outstanding in that second run because everyone around him lost an incredible amount of time. And he, he skied down really well. I mean, it also might be because he's just very big and it's, well, easier, if you want to call it that way, for him to get into the rut. Um, because obviously like his physique is, is kind of made for it because he has to put his skis further outside already anyway, even if it's good snow. So he could, he could catch the ruts really easily, well, better than anyone else, I would have thought. And obviously Noel managed to somehow made it down, which is yeah. good for him after a couple of... Um, yeah, I think it was really important for him after the season that he's had. It's been quite topsy-turvy, hasn't it? It's been a, a tricky one. And, and I mean, he's been quite vocal in that as well. Dave Riding managed to finish in 11th, narrowly missing out on the top 10, which was a, a brilliant result. I thought he was a first run, not quite as hot 
again, which is sort of has been has happened a couple of a couple of times already this season. But second run, yeah, he didn't go in those first few, but he really took advantage of going down. I think around tenth anyway, wasn't it? Something on that second run, and then uh, yeah, looked a different skier for me on that second run. Looked, he talked about. I spoke to him afterwards, and he talked about finding it really difficult to get the flow and get the rhythm and keep the rhythm in terms of just the movement pattern of, of skiing in slalom, especially skiing in that snow. Um, so yeah, all in all, it was a good result from Dave. Yeah, he didn't look comfortable on the first run right from the start. Again, I think we talked about it when it was ridiculously icy last week. If you don't get that feel straight away, it can really hamper your confidence the rest of the way down. But on that second run, um, he looked confident and aggressive right from the start, even though the conditions really were a bit grim. He just got on with it and he looked to keep that rhythm nearly all the way down. There weren't really any kind of big mistakes on that run. It was fluid and quick moving all the way down. So I was, I was really happy with, with Dave's skiing on that. And yeah, it was maybe a bit unlucky to finish just outside the top 10. But considering those conditions aren't ones he likes, that's 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 a really, really good result for him. I was, I was really happy with that skiing. Marcel, what did you um, make of... What turned out, obviously, after the second day of racing, uh, Henrik Christofsson's major error in in straddling that second gate, considering how quick he was in day two. I mean, I, when I saw it, I was like a bit shocked, actually. I think that has barely happened to him and he has had a really tough season. And I, actually, it, it was quite interesting because he said after the race that he felt really comfortable because he knows that his skis are going really well in those conditions, specifically when it's like salted or, or not really icy. Um, so it was probably a bit gutting for him, not even showing what he can do in those, on those conditions, which he did the next day, obviously. Um, so I think it was, it was a bit of a blow for him, but I mean, he, I guess he's just now going for the wins anyway, um, whenever he can take them because there's no chance in any of the other things like big globes or small globes or whatever to pick up anything. So I, I think he's just going for, for wins nowadays, um, which is, which is good for him. And I mean, in, in terms of Dave on the first race, like it was, it was a great second run and he was, if they were all really bunched up in that middle bit. So I think he, he could have gone either way, maybe like a couple places higher, a couple places lower. So it w- it was a bit of a lottery, but I thought he did a really good, I did, a really good first uh, second run so I'm um, I'm very pleased to see him doing that actually yeah it was uh, yeah I, I totally agree with what you're saying Ben in terms of the it being a tricky one with the race with the snow conditions it just it just makes it feel like I mean it's good that we got the racing done don't get me wrong I'm happy that the racing happened much rather it, it got done in, in conditions like that than no racing at all but it just, you just feel a bit robbed don't you of like a, of a bit of a fair fight a bit of um you know the the quickest man the, you know in two ways it did and it didn't happen one way the quickest person won because obviously it did but then at the same time you just feel like the snow condition played such a big part in the race you wonder whether the quickest person did win if you see if you sort of see what i'm getting at yeah like we've talked about it before everyone has to ski in those conditions but you just feel for those people starting outside the top 10 on the first run, if you started 15th on the first run and just about skied into 15th and then you went in the middle again on the second run, you just had to <laughs> just, a, just a, a, a weird hold slope both times down. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I mean, one other person we didn't pick up on, obviously, uh, 
Christofferson wasn't the only one having a, a bit of a mare on the first home after starting the season, his most consistent ever. Uh, Manny Feller might have reverted to type uh, <laughs> <laughs> with just going all out and uh, back to his crazy Manny ways. Yeah, crazy. Too bloody right, crazy Manny. I wonder if he's a bit gutted. Like, Schwartz is so consistent and he was, like, keeping up with it for for quite some time. And now he's, like, falling a bit behind. So I'm I'm not quite sure if this is, like, playing to his mind as well. Yeah. He said he, he, said he didn't mind. He said a couple of posts on, on social media afterwards saying he, you know, he's still really happy. He's living a, a dream right now and those kind of things. So hopefully you can find the balance he had in those first few races again, where he found that line between just going, pushing every single gate to the absolute limit. Um, and then just be enough to kind of temper that aggression and attack that he has enough to kind of, especially with the world champs coming up, you want, you want him in the mix. Yeah. The thing is like with, with him, I think he's like definitely one of the favorites for the world Cup, uh, for the world champs, because he doesn't care. Like if he, if he's, on his game, he's good, and otherwise he's going out most likely anyway. So I, I would have like I have him down for definitely a a top result, and he is already um, vice world champion or whatever you want to call it. You don't you don't really want to put him down for one of the uh, overall season titles, though, do you? No, <laughs> you're not quite well, got not, that consistency. I I literally thought he might be, but he, the last couple of races were just a bit. He had a couple of shockers in them, unfortunately for him. Yeah, just got caught, caught out a couple of times. But then quite a few people got caught out. So I think we can... I'm not sure we can quite say he's reverted to type just yet. But... He's getting there. Yeah, he's just <laughs> gone from... You know, the surprise of Manny finishing so many races in a row and, and good as well, skiing quickly. And then all of a sudden, you know, think of these totally cured those demons. And uh, I mean, he's unbelievably quick, quick. But even, I think... Nick Fellow said it on TV, like he didn't finish about 30% of his races he has done on World Cup. And that is a very high quote. If you look at other races, I mean, they finish all the races, really. I'll tell you what, who, who's trying to beat that record at the moment is Vanazza. Yeah, but he had, he, I mean, he finished twice, didn't he? Yeah. It doesn't always look like he's going to, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of hairy moments on, on those runs at the moment. He seems to very much be looking like he either wants to. He looks Win. a bit like Rutzley when he skis on at the moment, doesn't he? Like a bit too far. Which is behind. a long way back. Yeah. He's just trying to, I feel like he's just trying to find his feet again after, you know, starting the season so well and then skiing so well and then DNFing and then skiing badly and DNFing. And now he's trying to find his, now he's trying to find his feet again. And now he's not DNFing, but he's not skiing that good. I mean, by his standards, I'm saying he's still wiped the floor with most people, obviously. But um, in, in terms of his high standards, he's not skiing anywhere near as well as he was at the beginning of the season. Um, it but must be, it must he, be quite tough for those guys, though. You think like the likes of, of Feller and Vinazzi, who are known for just going flat out and yes, crashing lots. But if that's when you're at your most comfortable when you're pushing that edge, when you know, a coach or someone says, "Okay, just try and put one in the finish," it doesn't feel no. right when you're skiing to to hold like. Skiing at 80%, you're almost more likely to ski out than at 100 because that's how they ski. Obviously, yeah. you want them to find that consistency um, of staying in. But at the same time, the way he's skiing now, where it looks like he's actively trying to finish, it almost looks like it's hurting his skiing more, Yeah, uh, which is a, a bit of a shame for him because especially going into something like the World Champs, if, he, if he's 
going to go. You well, that, presume he is as one of their fastest racers. Yeah, but that's part of the problem, though, isn't it? That, I mean, the part of the, the this season's pressure is... I mean, I know that they talk about it a lot. In, we slash they talk about it a lot in commentary, and I wonder really how much re- like how much of it's actually spoken about within the teams, within the athletes. But it's certainly going to be something that sort of sticks around in the back of their mind, even if it's not talked about that often. There still are only four spots, and if you're the Italians or the Swiss or the or the French, maybe not the French, but or the Austrians or you know those guys, where you've got so many good guys, you you know Daniel Yule must be. You know, he, he's bitten his fingernails down to the quick. He's, he's, yeah, but if you look at the Italians, like Vinazzo is, is 21 years old, like he had some really good results up front. And I don't think that should play on his mind because he's, he's having a spot anyway. Like there is no doubt he will not be skiing on that World Champs. Yeah, because the other guys that are around him, like obviously Manfred Mulg is, what is he, 37? You got, um, uh, Grow, Stefano Grow, he's like 30 three or something i think he's you know towards the tail end of his his d- career and and obviously so's ratzoli yeah so you know probably maybe you're, you're probably right marcel maybe that doesn't figure in his mind maybe he's almost got but i i agree on, on like the austrian team and on the suite like specifically the swiss this year like they it's a hard choice for the coaches to make because there are so many people bunched up like the austrian i think pertle and strain and just, well, I don't know who else could be, but they all like they all very closely bunched together with the results, and they I think they've had a fifth, a fifth or fourth place as the best two top tens. Like, who do you pick? Like, they're both young. It's it's really it's really tough, and and I I remember that it was like always kind of on the top of some minds yeah. um, when I was when I was racing for the Austrians that the coaches also said, well, you need to have a good result now, this and that. Like, I mean, that is that is yeah. definitely the case. Yeah, I mean, look at the Austrians that, you know, obviously Schwartz is going, Fellow's going. And, and Matt is going. And Matt is definitely now going after some good skiing. I mean, it looked a bit ropey at one point. And then, and therefore, you, then you've got to go Gastrein, who starts in the second group and has been pretty consistent most of the season. Pertl is fourth in this is he fourth or fifth in the second he, he was fourth but he's also in like he's always close to the to the top group as well so like there yeah, exactly not... so you've got those those you've got to pick one of those two and then you've got Hirschbull Ben's favorite of uh what's his chops I've forgotten his name Ben how dare you, <laughs> how dare you? what's his name Ben uh I will not say the Gruber the Gruber <laughs> then you've got the Gruber who much to Ben's annoyance every so often sticks in a result uh, as well as Strolz, who who performed, you know, in the odd race. But I think in reality, it's probably not any of those guys. It's probably going to be between Gastrein and and uh, Pertel, isn't it? So it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy call for selection. And Daniel, you, like I said, for the Swiss, like they've got a bunch. And is Daniel on form? You don't take Daniel Yule. You don't. Not on form. Current form, you don't. No, I I agree. He's ben? actually. I can see you shaking your head there. You, I know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm talking form. Order. I'm not talking about yeah. what you think he could do or his ability to do it. But on current, if you looked black and white numbers, you can't. You don't take Daniel Yule, do you? All right, you're a selector, right? Let's put this out there. I'm not a selector. <laughs> I'm not a selector. I've been putting this all day I'm, today. I'm, I'm putting, no, are I'm, you a selector, Ed? I'm putting, you, I'm putting you in the mindset of... I'll tell you what, you two are going to get booted off the team in a minute. I'm going to boot you both. <laughs> for, for now, you're a, uh, a selector. You, like, 
it's easy enough to say, oh, we'll just go on form. But when you've got a guy who's been challenging for the slalom title the last few years, yeah. that that ability stays in your mind. You know yeah. he's that good and you know he's got it in him. And he's probably doing it in training. What I would say, what I would, what I would say, I, I think I would take him. I probably would take him. There you go, selector Ed. I knew it. I knew you. But, <laughs> but I'm saying on form, on form you wouldn't. But I think I probably would because he's struggling for. He's obviously struggling for form, but he's probably struggling, really struggling for confidence now as well. And actually, you know, the ticket, the ticket to the world champs could be the sort of backing that he needs to to start skiing. I was going to say properly, but you know, it's disrespectful. But you know, to start skiing well you know properly well again whatever you want to say as, as we've seen yeah a bit like Marcel said with with Manny he's got nothing to lose he's not like world champs there's no getting back into rhythm or if I can get some points under my belt I can start moving up the table it's just you've got two runs go win it yeah like that you know well, that's he, that's what they know they're like okay well let's give him the shot because we know he can and he still still has a good bib which is obviously an advantage specifically for the world champs right yeah I mean, yeah. the other guys, they literally just came in to the top 30 and they're starting, I don't know, potentially like 25, 20. And he can potentially start with eight. So that's definitely an advantage for him. Yeah, 100%. So, but yeah. We've gone a really long way uh, off track talking about the first yeah, race. We? Yeah. <laughs> I press slowly. Let's, let's We're going to selection meetings for the world champs. Yeah, let's head back. Let's isn't, head back. isn't you like half, half British as well? I mean, that would, that would please a lot of people. Daniel, look, if they don't want you, we'll have you. <laughs> <laughs> no questions asked, no nothing, no backhanders. You know, we'll take you as you are. Open arms. <laughs> if you don't mind starting just behind Dave. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're not allowed to beat Dave because he's our number one. You could be number two. Okay, let's get back on topic. <laughs> uh, Super G, race one. I mean, it doesn't really matter if we talk race one or race two, but let's start with race one. Lara Goot is bossing women's super G at the moment. Uh, she won by best part of seven tenths over uh, Kashavikov Lee, who is our first time Norwegian podium ski racer. She finished, finished 0.68 back. And then uh, Marie-Michelle Gagnon um, finds herself back on the podium after a little bit of time away, uh, just under a second off the pace. It really, really didn't look like it was going to be anybody's race other than Goots. Even when you, I mean, before they even pushed out the gate, it was really hard to look past Goots. Uh, and then the minute she started skiing, no chance for anybody else, I didn't think. Yeah, there were a couple other people you might have considered going into the race, but the conditions were that soft that it didn't really suit someone like Goggia, who was my pick for what was the downhill originally um, that got moved to a Super G. But you really, Goggia really needs something a bit more icy to fight with um and she didn't she didn't have it she held on to third for a bit um and i almost got one point from that race uh until until gagnon came in um but to be honest with you i i'm happy i just not want to, to say get... ben i was really pleased that that happened really <laughs> pleased that happened i i honestly but for the sake of a point i don't mind i was really happy for uh gagnon because she's been up there up there before she's been working really hard um and it's really good to see her back on the podium um and quite interesting to see some you know not not usual suspects on the podium um i mean isn't lara good like the uh, delight to watch i didn't i didn't follow it on on the beginning of the season or in the beginning of the season and i 
I wasn't sure if she would be able to get to that form she's right now. But she, once she is on form, like she is a rocket, like an absolute yeah. rocket. She skis so solidly. And also I'm really happy for maybe the people behind the scenes. Um, her serviceman is a good family friend of ours. So he had a rough time with her um, for a bit, I guess, in terms of right, good results. But this year, I, I looked at the stats today. I think she cracked seven podiums already. So that's pretty unbelievable. Are you breaking some inside knowledge here, Marcel? The skis were fine and she just wasn't going fast enough or the other way around. Well, she was, was rapid and the skis were rubbish. <laughs> the, ski, the skis were really good and, and she just <laughs> had to handle them somehow, which she managed. Good for her. I, th- I think Lara Goot Barami, to give her her full name, uh, I think she, um, she made a couple of comments in the press recently. I think, it, I can't remember if it was after the first or after the second. I can't remember exactly when. But a little bit in the same vein as the comments we saw from Schifrin, saying you know thank cheers to all the doubters sort of thing in terms of thought i'd lost it uh, and obviously i haven't lost it sort of a a two fingers salute if you like which uh, you i think it's tricky because as as ski racing fans i think it's really difficult to get away from the fact that when you've got somebody like lara gutbarami who has you know, at one point she was the only person able to keep up with Lindsay Vaughn and take vi- victories away from her. And then two years, then sort of two years, two or three years with very few results. I think people are sometimes within their rights to sort of wonder what's happening with her. Um, not that, not that they, they're allowed to, because obviously it's like, you know, it's somebody's, somebody's life and life and love on the, of, of the sport on the line. But I think, you know, I'm really pleased to see her back. And she, I believe that she was about, somebody put a stat on Facebook earlier this, earlier this evening saying that after that second race, it turns out Lara Groot was three hundredths away from winning the Super G Globe um, because somebody was, yeah, three hundredths, it, it just, in, it just inside giving, uh, points taking points away sort of thing so she's obviously pretty much nailed on for that but uh, the the weather that hampered the ladies so heavily in the days preceding I think Fizz did a really good job of getting that up to scratch and it it looked like it was still really good it did there were some interesting line choices going on though that roller that came through the through the arch um well I was watching it trying to work out if anyone of like the top 30 took the same line through that like sponsor arch. I don't know what it is. It's not the Red Bull jump from, from Kitsville, but wherever that jump was. Yeah. Um, and there were lots of people coming through it off balance. So lots of people like kind of midway through an edge changes, they went over the rolls. So there was a bit of kind of one ski yeah. out to the side, one ski under them. But I, I, I watched a few, like basically the top 10 back again and they went from about as far left as you could go to about as far right as you could go. And, um, you know, Ed, you're the one who's done high level speed. When you're in inspection and you're going past the other teams and when you're standing looking at the line, you want to take over a jump. Is there anyone on the other side of the jump going, yeah, this looks right? When you're, is, is that, <laughs> you, I think you, and you guys might remember it, but uh, the guys, the coaches that used to stand on the ridge, either with their arms out in a tee, or with a pole, where the gate was, or with a ski, holding a ski above their head, giving you the rough direction. This is roughly that. where the next gate is. Yeah. yeah. But I was used to, I don't know how you guys did it, or Ben, probably in slalom, you never did it, but. Um... <laughs> 
Well, Lisa Rue told you the right line when he was commentating when he was skiing. <laughs> it's but, a um, shite. Go faster. I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I used to just, uh, I used to like to sort of try and pick um, something either on the horizon or in, the, in your eye line of giving you a rough gauge of where you should be pointing before you go off that roll so that you've got an understanding, you know, like in, in line with the gate below the brow, the hill is a, you know, a chairlift pylon or a, I don't know, a, a house or something in the distance or whatever, or something like that. Maybe I was going slow enough that I could pick those out. I don't know, but <laughs> that was how I used to do it. I always had such high numbers in or bibs in in super gym downhill. I literally it's like with you, Ben, in slalom, just go go in the ruts. You will find <laughs> yeah. a new way down. Wherever these tracks are taking me, yeah. <laughs> it was it was just weird. Being, I, I just hadn't seen that much variance in kind of takeoff points or or lines through there. Like occasionally you'll see a team. Um, I, I, I think I looked at it for Kranz Montana. I think the Austrians all took a really particular line and it didn't work out for them and I made it in the notes but we didn't spend that much time talking about it because about 100 races last weekend um Some, but somet- I- sometimes though it, it's a, a victim of 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 one coach well no also but also the races once once you see a couple of lines going off somewhere you can I think I've mentioned it before you can start to second guess like if you think oh you know I'm supposed to be heading towards that pylon over there and all the lines are you know two meters the other way and you're like well maybe I'm maybe I've got it wrong and then you follow it or you don't follow it and multiple lines really mess with your head yeah it was it was just quite interesting it's been a while since I've seen that many different options going through a jump to the fact the point that I actually went back and re-watched it said it definitely clicked with me because that's not something I do often just go wait did I see that right and watched it again I went yeah I did they all went like a different route clearly whichever route uh, Laura Cooper Army that was definitely the one everyone else should have followed. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like you, you think, oh well, once they're on the on the track, they're on their own. But they're not really in the downhill and super G because you have like all the coach reports and stuff, and they see the lines of the people ahead of you, and they will like give you obviously feedback on top and say, well, we actually looked at this line and maybe just ski it two meters tighter to the left or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's crucial, and and that's. An advantage for bigger teams because they have more coaches on the track and and they will get like more reports yeah that's true and also and, and also you've got the opportunity for the tv as well so at the start of all the world cups now are tvs so you can basically stand and watch what everybody else is doing you almost don't need to inspect too much because you basically watch that, that's what Bodie miller did he didn't inspect he was just watching a bit of tv and then running <laughs> that's probably pretty true um so <laughs> So yeah, but you have to be able to be adaptable. Yeah, of course, because you know the snow conditions may change, or or it just runs slightly different to what you you read it in inspection. You have to be able to remember what the what the coaches were saying and what the plan was going in, so that when they say, "Hey, you're supposed," to, you know, that gate you're now tighten on the first one and uh, and off the second, or you know, you come in there with a couple of meters extra space, more direction, whatever. You've got to be able to adapt and read into that. But um, yeah, it's pretty impressive stuff from uh, from Goot anyway. Shall we um, move on to the second race, the men's slalom? Um, that was pretty much dominated by Henrik Christofferson, who won uh, by, well, he only won by about 0.3 over Zenhuizen, and then Sandro Simone was in third, 0.66 back, went from 30th to third. Another person took advantage of, of the sort of similar conditions. The first run was set by Tristan Anti-Kostelich-Glass-Davis, uh, set a uh, interesting pattern slash Picasso of, of turns at the top. Um, 
It, it actually, I quite enjoyed the fact that it was so. I think the difference in time from the first course to the second course was about six seconds. I think I made it <laughs> in terms of uh, the t offset of the first leg to the straightness of the second. But Henrik Christofferson really did boss it. Zenhoisen, maybe Marcel, like you were saying, using his levers in terms of being able to deal with those sort of rutted conditions, managed to get relatively close in second place. I, I genuinely thought after the first run, it would be a good race because the first run I would have thought was a lot nicer to watch than, than the first two runs in, in the first race. And I, I was... I had some really high hopes that the second run would be equally all right to ski on, which was um, bitterly disappointed um, after the first couple of races when we saw that it's going to be the same thing. Um, but obviously, Zenhausen, he had an amazing weekend. Two second places brought him up a lot in the standings. So Schwartz would have, well, basically won the globe already if Zenhausen uh, wouldn't have wouldn't have done so well. And Christofferson, well, he had, I mean heads up to him like that second run was really good like a lot better than anyone else yeah um around him and like obviously sorry what was his, what was his name again um simone simone sorry yes simone um he he used what he got he had a bit 30 or a first bib in the second run so he, he made the most out of it which you also have to do right so you there are probably like four or five guys around him who could have done the same thing and he did it, same as Ernie in the first race. So, I mean, it's not like it's not like it's it's unlucky, but it's not too lucky because you still have to ski down and ski down well. Otherwise, yeah, you mean, wouldn't do it. Yeah, it wasn't a gift. It wasn't a no, gift. No, it's not it? a gift. No. Yeah. And and I, I felt like he's he's in there for a long time already, so he definitely deserves a podium. He's a, he's a great skier, I think. And yeah, that was that was yeah. I, I was checking there. Uh, uh, if it's the Kostelich's Instagram after the first round to see if he was uh, going to claim that the course setter was Mickey Mouse as he seems to with every slalom that takes place and there was nothing on the on the Sunday uh, I think he said something on the Saturday about Mickey Mouse being back at the wheel so uh, uh, Tristan definitely escaped the wrath of uh, Kostelich which was which was good um, it, I mean Ed you can probably tell us from the uh, predictions league Anyone see that coming from Christopherson? Or had everyone no, given up on him at this point? <laughs> no, there were a few wily old foxes that picked him for, not many, to be fair. Uh, I've got to scroll a little bit further down to work out who actually went for. I, I thought I picked him as well, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> straight to that happens. <laughs> we had a new entry, Elliot Smith. He picked him. Uh, and I think there was at least one other just scrolling through. Oh, yeah, somebody here. Uh, Mike Pulaski. Mike Pulaski, inside info on the Norwegian team, picked him for the win. Uh, yeah, so only two. Yeah, I think it. I think enough people had probably given up on him at that point for the rest of his season's performances up, up to there. Yeah. Um, but it was it was incredible. It's amazing the the difference just either the snow conditions or a week could make because the difference between when we saw him at Schladming and then here is just like two completely different two completely different skiers. I've granted he still absolutely dominated the first run and then still just ski through the finish and uh, didn't fancy, you know, waving at the camera or saying hello to anyone. <laughs> Bugging off like he normally does. He's, yeah. he's been skiing so bad, he just presumed it was another terrible run and just skied off. Yeah, um, he <laughs> those conditions though, doesn't he? Wow. But weren't you guys really impressed how he was literally staying in the rut the whole way down? Like everyone else was cutting the ruts at some stage and like going high-siding almost, et cetera, et cetera. And he was literally just 
so solid and so smooth. Like, I mean, that just shows what a good skier he is, really. Yeah, it definitely shows that he had nothing to be concerned about with the way things were, were going this year. Obviously, it's still you still have to put the performances in, but he did look so much more like the Christofferson we've come to know over the past few years of just being able to dominate slaloms like that. But also, uh, uh, Adrian Perto had a good day, almost almost getting on the, the podium. He's about, about a second off in the end, but it, moving into fourth, that's a... Another good result for him. I, I know we've already done our Austrian selection meeting, but uh, it's you know it's, it's, Mar- it's Marcel's in. Marcel's in. It's not done yet. No, no, they're asking Ed to be the selector for the for the Austrian ski team as well now. Yeah, uh, wild card did you in Marcel? So you know, I thought you give either to me or to Digrover, right? <laughs> you could you can put Marcel in for uh, for in for GS. There's that. All four spots still available, I think, for that. No one's even nearly <laughs> <mentioned>. not <laughs> taking anybody. <laughs> They're taking Benny Reich, Marcel Mathis, and Marcel Herschel. <laughs> that's it. No, her, no her, Herman Meyer might get a spot as well. Yeah, that's your that's your four for the GS. They've probably got more of a chance than these guys have got. Uh, <laughs> actually, I've heard I've heard some good stuff from training. I think they're they're doing quite well actually, but we will see. I mean, it's going to be a, you can't just an, say that. Come on. An out of nowhere Austrian uh, podium uh, at the World Chaps. Charlie Raposo, our insider in the in the ski racing world. Um, you can't, you don't really know how much you can trust him when he says something. But he said that they're actually skiing really well. He skied together with them. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, okay, does that mean okay. that is that taken off their their performance against Charlie, or is that? <laughs> yeah, it might be actually. <laughs> But what I wanted to say is, we all don't know how Cortina's racetrack will be. And I can tell you one thing, Leitinger and Brensteiner are lightning fast when it's not too steep. Like when it's on the flat side and the right conditions, they can be really quick. I just want to remind you, Brensteiner, when he hurt himself at the Olympics, he was on the way to make a medal there. I'm pretty certain about that. Well, Leitinger already skied where, I can't. Can you remember where it was, Marcel? Where he was? St. Moritz. He won a silver medal in the in the GS at the World Champs. So I mean. Yeah, but he also skiing well this season. Where where was it that he was ripping? Well, he, he did he did have a couple of good races actually, and and like runs. good good runs and and bits and pieces. He hasn't really put it together yet, but I mean, there's definitely there's definitely something going on there. And I mean, as we as you said, it might take a while because with the new coaches, etc. But I think. They might be they might be ready for the world champs. They had about five months off now, um, with the GSs all being done. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. They've been catching some summer rays. They've been in Dubai with <laughs> with all the other influences. I seem to have taken us off track again. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> ben, you look you look like you might have been trying to scour through some results to see where see lighting his performances. Yeah, I didn't find any. Uh, I spelled his name wrong. <laughs> well, that was, uh, I thought you were giving Marcel a burn there that you didn't find any or that you just can't spell his name. No, I just can't spell. Oh, okay. uh, see results for this year. Is that an eighth in Adelboden? That's not a bad. That's not a bad result. Okay, no. so he can he can keep Meyer out of the team then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in front of Meyer, Marcel. You're, you're in. And that's um, on age, definitely. So second race saw Dave DNF, which he was very frustrated about. Um, decent splits as well. If he'd managed to keep it, I mean, I know that splits don't really mean an awful lot 
because you've got to get to the finish, obviously. But he was skiing actually pretty well in that second run. And I think his splits were pretty decent. And he, and I think he probably would have been maybe have snuck in another top 10 based on, you know, with some tricky conditions. He was skiing well. And I think, yeah, until that straddle, doing pretty good. But yeah, frustratingly for him, I think that's one of his first, his like first DNF for a couple of years almost, I think, isn't it? In terms of uh, his strike rate. Yeah, I think someone's been saying that he's been, I can't remember where I heard it. Someone was saying I'm amazed how consistent he is and, and how he's really got that consistency. And then like the day after I've either read or heard it from somewhere is when he skied out. Um, but I, yeah, I was the same as you, Ed. I was, it happens. Like, like we talk about it with Feller and the other guys. I thought he was skiing absolutely fine on the second run. He was looking really good. Again, a lot more confident on the second run. Yeah. a lot more attack and like you said those those splits in in relation to to Simone were, were looking good like he was behind Simone but everyone else coming down at that point was already like nine tenths off Simone at the various splits so yeah gutted when you come out but at the same time the, the skiing's there the, the you know the podium skiing's there we've already seen it obviously have it's been a bit of a mental few weeks so get your feet up rest recover and then get ready to go for the world champ yeah i think um dave's program which uh, i assume mirrors most of them is is to take a week off pretty much certainly a, a few days off and then back to training because yeah you got three weeks until the slot the slot the next slalom which is the world champ slalom so uh yeah time to to catch your breath after seven slaloms in a month which maybe not doesn't actually sound that much when you think about there's only seven slaloms in a month but that's a lot of traveling and that's a lot of um intensity both emotionally and and physically uh, and they've had a lot of being messed around as well obviously yeah. not not you know fits doing everything they can to get the races off but you know it's one thing when you've got a plan and you know what's happening on what day but then when one minute you're in bang and the next minute you're in uh you know schladming on a different day or wherever else they ended up going like it's it, you know it's all mental strain and stress that you don't really need to be dealing with when you're trying to focus on just your skiing um so yeah I, I wasn't too too like gutted obviously yes gutted but not too bothered by him skiing out because he was skiing well um it's one of those ones you just say okay it happens yeah that's how it goes i think you just have to have a feller mentality for the world champs right just go for it there's one chance and he has all the chances to get a medal there yeah but... just take that that like you said that approach that vinazza fella just everything just go flat out every run don't there's there's no point holding anything back or not that he's ever trying to hold anything back i'm sure but yeah just don't treat it as if you've got anything to lose and just go full on yeah um shall we take a look at the second of the ladies super g's so the ladies originally were supposed to be scheduled for the sunday they got incredibly unlucky again with more bad weather and fog meant that it was unsafe to run. But thankfully, we have managed to uh, use a you know use a spare day, which we've seen on the men's side of the tour for uh, a few times this season, and and we've seen it for the ladies' side now. But there was no Sophia Godgia after she crashed in free skiing slash warm up for that Sunday's. Uh, therefore then she, the cancelled race and she's got a tibia plateau which fracture which is, that means that she's now out for the rest of the season what a blow that is yeah that's absolutely gutting because she was on fire um and 
you know, we were getting excited that she was going to start pushing uh, Vlahova in the overall with the way she was skiing in, in speed. The amount of back-to-back wins she had was was awesome. And when that news came through, I was very deflated, you know. But um, uh, ben, to um, have just a free skiing injury is a nightmare. I'm, I'm loving most most of your uh, talking there was done at about half pace. <laughs> <laughs> you were sounding extremely enthusiastic about <laughs> uh, internet gremlins sneaking in there, but uh, basically, real shame, obviously. <laughs> yeah, cut that out. Yeah, got you injured. Real bad. No, I'm leaving it in there. What I was wondering, Marcel, she's had so, she had quite a few injuries now, hasn't she? That's another one that now she's got to try and pick up again and find form again before Olympics next season. But Tibia Plateau, that's not the sort of worst injury, is it, in terms of rehabbing from that, is it? No, I think it's, I mean, it's always bad to have an injury, right? But if you could pick one, it probably would be something like this, where you don't have any ACLs or MCLs or anything like that included. So she will be gutted, but just because those medals were basically ready to pick up for her in, in her home country. But other than that, I think she will be coming back. I mean, she was on a, a proper run in the downhill. Super G also quite good and GS and overall. So, you know what, just take a couple of weeks off, months off. Missing, missing home world champs. I mean, that is, that, that's a gutting thing, right? But it's, it's still ski racing. And, and as we saw this year, like there's so many injuries and you actually have to be quite, well, not happy, but lucky to not pick up like a serious one that takes you out for about six to eight months. Especially so, when you're Sofia Goggia skiing, the, you know, skiing with her sort of all, all or nothing sort of style. Exactly. Like she, she's she always on the edge. In warm up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a bit, it's gutting, but you know what? In warm-up, you ski on the same intensity as you do in the, in the race. Maybe not as quite, but pretty pretty close to it. And it can always happen, right? So we they all know the risks to it. And I think she will she will get over it. She will be coming back and probably be even stronger next year. I would assume with her. I make it three downhills left for the ladies, including World Cup finals. Um, I'm just double checking how far ahead she is in the downhill standings to whether. She- she is 200, well, 195 points in front of Breezy Johnson. So basically 200 points, essentially, she's leading. And there are 300 points on offer. So it could be a bit cruel that Sophia Godger couldn't, you know, could potentially not win. Um, but Lara Gutbarami is quite a long way off. And she's obviously the informed athlete. I mean, yes, in Super G, not necessarily in downhill. Breezy Johnson's picked up, obviously, downhill podiums, but she's yet to go better than third. Corinne Souter doesn't seem to quite be on the form that she was at the start of the season, who's in third in the, in the standings. And Esther Ledesca's uh, 280-odd points behind. So, I, I reckon Lara Good will be now the woman to beat with all those results she has in her back. And, I mean... It was lucky today that Vlahova picked up a second, a second place, because otherwise Kuperami would have probably gone past her. And in the overall, yeah, and and she has been in that position. I mean, she won the overall World Cup. She knows exactly what she needs to do, and the finals are in Switzerland as well. So I she think it's going to be a very close call. Um, they both definitely have good chances of winning. 
Tip Tipler managed to get another podium as well. Yeah, she's she's having a, a really a really solid season. Like um, she's always a bit under the radar, but she's a she's a great skier, I think. And I mean, she picked up three full podiums this year, which most of the people would be delighted about. And it's it's definitely her best season so far. I'm still trying to get over you two saying that uh, having a fracture in your tibia would be all right to come back from. I'd be all right with a dead leg, maybe. That's about it. <laughs> that's the kind of injury I want to come back from. Well, I think the point was, Ben, was that it's not, you know, an ACL ligament injury. It's not, you know, a snap tib fib you, fever. You, you know what? As long as you have your own body parts, I guess it's not too bad. <laughs> like if you if you break your leg and they can like get the leg back together, but it's your leg. But when you have an ACL or something, you always have to get some some spare parts from somewhere else, and that's I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I feel I, I hear you, Marcel. I think we're, we're we're all saying the same sort of thing. And anything else before we move ahead to what we're up to this coming weekend? No, just it's going to be interesting. Our ladies got a week off. So no more Goop masterclasses for a couple of weeks. Uh, I did actually so. want uh, that reminded me, Ben, before we before we do shoot off. Anybody surprised that Michelle Gissin took the weekend off, considering she's already let you know the ladies now do have a week off. They're not racing this coming weekend, so effectively she's taken two weeks off. Do you think anyone else surprised by that? She's obviously not going for the overall. Maybe. My thought on it was possibly when she saw the original schedule, maybe she didn't fancy the downhill in Garmisch because it is known for being quite brutal at the best of times, that perhaps she thought it wasn't worth the trip for one Super G. And then with the schedule changing, it then made it look a bit worse because she's she's been skiing okay in Super G this year when she has raced. So all the talk has been that she was going to do a lot of races. Um, so yeah, it was, it was surprising not to see her, but I I guessed it was something to do with the fact that she didn't fancy the downhill. Well, also, it might have been a might have been a good decision, right? Because she's now having two weeks off instead of one week, and she can she can just relax and and prepare for the World Champs because she's going to be. And she might be doing everything at the exactly, World Champs. and like she's going to be favorite, one of the favorites in slalom, giant slaloms. Well, not maybe super G, but super combined for sure. Um, parallel like she would be having a, a full-on program for about three weeks now and I mean thinking what she could have done in Garmisch god knows she could have been on the podium but that's what we said about Flahova as well she might have should take like a week off as well I don't know but now obviously we were wrong but <laughs> it's interesting it's interesting though Marcel the the differences in priorities. So Vlahova has openly stated that the overall is by far the most important thing to her this season over and above world champs. And you look at somebody like Michelle Gassin, who's obviously gone. The most important thing for me this season is world champs performances, or maybe not. I mean, maybe she's not openly, you know, that's not what she's actually said, but in terms of what you'd anticipate in terms of missing a couple of world cups to make sure she's as fit as she possibly can be going into into world champs or maybe just didn't want to risk the travel you know crossing more borders more covid stuff and you, and we are very close to world champs it would be a nightmare if she'd gone to a race where she thought she maybe didn't have the best of chances uh more travel more hotels and more risk of of sending back a, a positive coronavirus test and even after the weekend she's still third in the overall and she's got a fair gap behind her to Bacino. 
So possibly it's worked out all right. So Vlahova might have got a bit further in front than Gizin would have liked in, in the overall picking up that podium today. But at the same time, you know, the GS from Vlahova recently hasn't been up to much and uh, Gizin's been picking up podiums. So maybe she thought, you know what, I can still do every event going at the World Champs and still put on a charge for the titles afterwards. I mean, there's still 11 races to go in the in the overall and you don't know, like Blahova needs like two, three, four bad results, and and then Gizin has a couple of good ones, and she's up there, you know. Like it's 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 a tricky decision, specifically if you fight for the overall World Cup. Yeah. But I just thought it's you, interesting. Yeah, I I mean it's it's really interesting, and it's and it's funny to see how people approach it differently. Like Shifrin did completely different. She just raced the ones she wanted to do when she was in the hunt for the overall. And, and Vlahova is just going for everything. So, um, yeah, could, it could be a lot of reasons why she didn't ski, I, I would assume. Maybe she wanted to spend some time with her boyfriend. He is a GS skier, so he had a bit off as well. God knows. <laughs> Maybe, Marcel, that could be it. Um, you know, if we do forget these people actually have like families and social lives and, yeah. and mental well-being. It could be not, that she not has, just like, for our entertainment. An, an awful <laughs> grind that she has been going through this season. Uh, but one thing I did want to pick up with Marcel, we, we've obviously talked about Godia's injury, but after there was a good result on, I think it was the Saturday's race for Christine Shire, she then didn't ski today. She was down as a, as a did not start, but they didn't mention too much about, about her injury. I was wondering if you had any inside knowledge on uh, uh, what the status is of, of Christine. Yeah, I mean, I looked at the, on the news today and, and they said she was just having knee pain. She comes off like a really long history of injuries and ACLs and all sorts of, all sorts of things, really. Um, it's a bit gutting for her because she's on a, on a really good form and, and she was already a World Cup winner. Um, let's not forget that. And this year, she, it was like a comeback season, and now she seems to be finding her speed again. So I think they're hoping for her to still ski the, the World Champs, which would be, which would be great. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like they didn't, they didn't clarify what exactly it was. They just said some knee pain, and, and it was too painful for her to start. Gentlemen, let us look ahead to the only action that's coming up. Uh, this coming weekend is the men are now over in Garmisch. They race on the fifth and sixth. It's a super G and then a downhill. And it's not actually on Saturday and Sunday. It's on Friday and Saturday. So make sure that you get your, the dates in the diary properly. Cause the first race is actually Friday, which is the super G and then downhill Sunday. Uh, the men are supposed to be racing on the other side that the ladies raced on this time out. So the men are on uh, skiers right. The ladies come down skiers left. That is what it's forecast to be. Uh, if um, weather conditions or snow conditions change, they may change it because obviously they've spent a lot of time prepping the ladies side and making sure that it's hard enough uh, with the wet and warm conditions. But I think the I think it's supposed to get slightly colder over that way, isn't it, Mister? Mr. Weatherman, you can uh, look it up while I'm rambling on. But uh, so they are supposed to ski down the other side, the skiers right, which is a really, really gnarly track. I crashed into the nets there uh, <laughs> in 2011, I think it was. Well, champs is that? 2012, 2013. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could be any year, really, right? <laughs> I did, I did, I did spend a bit of time in those nets, uh, but it was at World Champs, which I think was 2011. I think 
That's why you're so passionate about A and B and C netting. Yeah, you got to know your nets, mate. <laughs> I crashed into B nets, um, which weren't that comfy, and then I ended up stopping in an A net eventually. So I didn't have a great time in Garmisch, and that was the place where Bodie Miller really helped my confidence and told me that he thought it was really, really gnarly, and uh, <laughs> we made it down, and I was still start waiting to start which was incredibly uplifting. And I thank Bodhi for, for just <laughs> fulfilling my dreams and helping me with my confidence before chucking myself down a world, world championship downhill. Exactly what you want to hear from one of the best downhill skiers has there ever been. And they're struggling to make it down. <laughs> yeah, but did, did he give you a reason why he didn't, why he was tough for him to get down? Was it because he might been at, at the pub the day before? Uh, yeah, or yeah. <laughs> it's really difficult getting down there because I'm so hungover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that could have been the case, but he didn't share that piece of information. I probably would have preferred it if he had, because I wasn't hungover. <laughs> I was just petrified. But yeah, Ben, what are we what are we looking forward to uh, weather-wise? Are we going to get some racing? Uh, cloudy and warm, so it doesn't look great. Oh, but it doesn't say it doesn't say raining, which is uh, better than uh, uh, the men's races from this weekend. Um, but obviously, you know, a mountain weather forecast and like might change in the next few days but it says like nine degrees which doesn't look very nice wow nine degrees get your water skis out get the jet skis <laughs> on okay all right so does that affect our picks probably not let's start who would like to go first anyone re really passionate about going first for our picks what are we picking first super g or downhill let's let's pick super g as that's first super g predictions ben you you, you started talking what do you want um, I will say Marco Odomat. For the Super G? Nice. Yes. Marcel, you going Pintero again? No. No? I don't, I'm not sure if he's skiing, so I don't know. Um, doesn't normally stop you. Let, let me go for Kriegmeier. Kriegmeier? Actually, no, wait. He's soft conditions. I'm not quite sure. I know. I'll, 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 I trust him. I trust him. It's fine. Uh, I'll go Maya then. So you're going to go Kriegmeier. I'm going Maya. Ben's going Odomat. No one's going for a home victory of Roman Bauman. Hey, he was close. Home, close a couple home of times. victory. <laughs> well, <laughs> home from home victory. <laughs> new new home victory. Uh, he um, would have. He would have made the Austrian squad as well. <laughs> he would have done as well. Wouldn't he? <laughs> Do you think they're asking him to come back? Well, not that he's Austrian, right? But okay. Marcel, would you like to go first on uh, on downhill selection? Yes, sir. I'll take that. I'll go for Foyts. Okay. Oh, oh man. So, the two favourites. <laughs> Give me the opportunity and I'll take it. <laughs> that was maybe uh, my mistake. <clears throat> oh, I don't. I don't really want to say Meyer again, but I but must. Still do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go Meyer. Are you going double Meyer? Double Meyer. You take my pit then. Um, Sorry. But wait, who sorry. did you get? Who did you go for, Marcel? Marcel went for the favourite in both of them. So for its uh, leader, tour leader. Um, hmm. Has Creek Meyer got it in him for a downhill. Ooh, I'm not sure. Oh, now I know what Ed feels I, like. I tell you, <laughs> I tell you I, yeah, exactly. I tell you, Inner in in Hofer. <laughs> not in Hoffa because it's not going to be bulletproof icy gnarly is it um, I'll tell you who Ben I'll, I'll give you a little thought just to help mess with your you're going to say Clary aren't you I'm going to say Clary yeah because <laughs> he he's third in the standings he was third last year 
Oh, at got, Garmish. At Garmish, yeah. Have you got those up in front of you? Yeah, third on the... Because there was a double, wasn't it? So th- he was third on the second day. And I'm pretty sure he was... That is the training run I've just pulled up. Uh, he was <laughs> <laughs> Third on the training run, that'll do. <laughs> no, it was only one downhill. But he was third in the downhill. Okay, all right, let's go for it. Let's go, Chloe. You talked me into it. You're really easy to persuade. I, I can't believe it. I mean, uh, hopefully that's true. If he's just good, if he's just lied to me, then I'd be really annoyed. But if those are actual results, then fair he enough. He's just pulling up some results from 2005 <laughs> when Clary was probably already <laughs> when he was Dave in his mid thirties. Dave riding, is really, Dave riding is really good at Garmisch downhill, and he's told me that he's, <laughs> he's definitely racing. And those, uh, he's got some quick fishers. He's borrowed them off of Max uh, France. He's got a set. Yeah, no, I said a fast set. <laughs> I told you, Max is getting his feedback. <laughs> Imagine he would have some head skis on. That would be rocket. He'd be, doing, he'd be doing even worse, poor bugger. Don't don't give him that affliction. <laughs> it's interesting though. Rosie leading the um, ski standings. Did you guys see that? It's a bit of banter going around the Facebook groups and stuff with. Uh, Actually, Christopherson was giving a shout out to his um, to his Russian old mates as well, which I thought was quite nice. He does it when he wins, doesn't he? Yeah, he quite, loves it. I was it. quite happy to see him do it. I, you know, I was quite pleased that he's... I don't know, for all the, all the sort of negative I mean, stuff... you've talked more trash about him than anyone else. Yeah, but only when, only <laughs> yeah, when he's he, like, acting like a child. That, that is the thing that really... Yeah, but he me. will never get on the podcast just because you trash talk him all the time. <laughs> I know, he, he regularly listens and sends me abuse <laughs> off the bat. He really is another one that really cares about what we're saying. <laughs> But no, I was. I, I'm. I'm actually quite pleased that he's. It's like one of those. You don't really want to get rid of a villain because, like, they're part of the story, aren't they? They're part of part of the fun of it. Without him, the tour would be a worse place. It has, but this year's almost like you're saying. It's good. It's good to see him win because this year he hasn't even been a villain. He's just been sad and and like and disappointed. And you don't what you can't. It's really you can't get mad at someone who's upset that they're not skiing well like it's like oh and i feel bad for him because he's not it's not going his way and he just looks really like disappointed and, and lost whereas when he's angry it's you know it's easier to you know laugh a bit more but you know i'm, I'm pretty happy for him he obviously had the uh, race earlier in the season where it was the one he always wanted um and, and he got that win so yeah you know it just it now means that the world champ slalom we've had like seven different winners and Christopherson's suddenly coming back to form. It's going to be brilliant. Can you realise how long it's going to take me to pick who's going to be my win for the slalom at the World Champs? I mean, we've got Marcel's bib on the line. If, if you missed last week's episode, Marcel has, has very kindly said that he will donate a World Cup bib to the winner of the mini league that we're going to do for the World Championships um, in, the, in the next week. I actually, I have a, a great idea and this has nothing to do with my bib, but yes, it's still on the line. But why don't we have a podcast dry slope invitation ski race? Well, kind of thing. And Christopherson could come there. Then he would have won all the top places for him. Yeah, I could. we could see if we can create another world champion. I think actually Dave Riding might be the world dry slope champion anyway. Still. So. I haven't had one for a few years. I think. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. Ben, do you remember? Did you race when... Um, we had a couple of Austrians come over, World Cup Austrians. Remember, what was his name? Florian Scheiber? That was I him, think wasn't so, it? Yeah. Do you yeah. remember that name, Marcel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah so him. he came over and raced on dry soap and he got mugged by me as a 10 year old. 
Yeah, you're at least 11. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look at him now. He's a, he's a speed coach for the Austrian woman. And yeah, you're doing a podcast. Fair play to him. You're doing a podcast. It was quite funny. It's quite funny when you see like proper skiers coming and trying to have a go on dry slope. <laughs> you really learn, you know, you, you know, you really learn valuable lessons not to fall over with your thumb sticking out because they'll fall off if you do that um they'll dendex thumb will get you they won't they won't fall off but you will have to rush to a and e with a ski pole <laughs> so that they make the cast so it fits on your hand uh, <laughs> because there are a few races where we had team events where uh ed was in uh, obviously the English team and I was doing it with him with a couple of other previous podcast guests and he'd fallen over in the day and had to go to hospital get a cast for his wrist and come back with uh, uh, it kind of already attached to his pole and therefore you don't need a pole guard because you've already got a cast exactly a cast and a rear duct tape and you're fine <laughs> job done okay on that enthralling trip through memory you- lane <laughs> <laughs> We already did one of those with the commentary, didn't we, with Aaron? Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that is all we've got time for. You will be very pleased to hear. Uh, until next time, goodbye for now.